Now what we're going to dive into is Genesis chapter 1. That's the first chapter we're going to go through and look at. And what we are going to see is that everything is God created. Everything is God created. Everything is God spoken. Everything is just willed into God. What he desired, it happened in an instant. It's God decreed, God appointed. Again, everything he willed was followed by immediate results. Immediate results. And if this is true, which I believe it is, I believe that God's word shows that it is, then it makes no room for mistakes. It makes no room for random forces of nature. It makes no room for things happening by chance because everything is pinpointed, done one by one by God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of mankind. God bless you. The creator of everything. It's all done by God. So that leaves no room for anything, right? On Thanksgiving, I hope you don't think the food on the table is by chance or by random, right? Hopefully it's all been planned and purposed and tested, right? Hopefully all those things happen and you're not thinking, oh yeah, this was all by chance, right mom? You just drove by and saw a truck pulled over to the side, took some food and you brought it out here. No, it's all been planned, purposed and created. So we'll look at Genesis 1 and we'll start in verse 1. It says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. So the very first thing we should be looking at in verse 1 is those first four letters, in the beginning God. And that's what we have to basically decide, do I believe this or do I not? That God and Him being God, He's always been, He's always existed, He's always been here. Well, not here because here didn't exist before Him. So He's just always been around. He's always been around in this place that our minds cannot comprehend. And if we can take that, if we can believe that, then we continue to believe what God's word is showing us and sharing with us. That word God in the Hebrew, it's the word Elohim. And it's interesting because it's in the plural form, right? Because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And from within the first sentence of the Bible, the Trinity is being shown. On purpose with the language that God used through Moses to write. So it's in the plural form. And that word Elohim, it focuses on the strength and on the might. Again, the power of God to create heaven and earth just by His will. Just by Him deciding, hey, I want heaven and earth. And it's there and it's made and it's created. The interesting thing to look at is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they've always existed having fellowship with one another, having a relationship with one another, and having a love for one another. And all of them in one God are taking part of this creation process. And again, our minds, we can't comprehend that, we can't figure that out, but we can turn quickly to John chapter 17. We can do our best But at a certain point, you have to trust the Lord. So John chapter 17. This is Jesus speaking to God the Father. John chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, 
that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know that you are the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I glorify you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Again, how Christ, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they've been together since the beginning. Verse 24, it says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Again, the Bible is backing up all these statements. And there's no accident that God, He is the main character from Genesis 1, really all throughout the Bible. But He shows Himself right from the beginning, from the birth of the Bible, from the birth of time and everything. God, He is the main character here. And it's no accident that within this first chapter, we're going to see his name pop up at least 35 times about him and all that he's done. It all starts with God and it will all end with God in one day. J. Edwin Orr, he uses this definition for God. He says, God is the only infinite, eternal, and unchangeable being. The only infinite, eternal, and unchangeable being. He's the perfect being in whom all things begin continue and end he's the big he's the being that all things continue and end and it's only through him that we're here it's only through him that we're here and hopefully we're at that place that our pride is way 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 down there that is not from my own strength i didn't put myself in this position i didn't choose to be born or given to the parents i have or maybe the adoptive parents i have i didn't select to be born in this nation or move over to this nation it's all been through the lord a couple more verses looking at God and Him creating everything. We can go to John chapter 1. Hopefully you stayed in the book of John. We'll look at John chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 3 through verse 10. It reads, All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but he who came to testify about the light. And there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Again, the importance to know that everything we know, everything we hold dear, it has come to pass because of God himself. In Ephesians chapter 3, we can turn there, a couple books to the right, Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul again speaking in verse 8 and 9. And he says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, you don't have to turn there. It says, In these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. 
In Job 26, verse 13, it says, By his spirit he adorned the heavens. So all these verses to say that, hopefully at this point you're able to say, God, he's the boss. He's the boss. He's the authority because he's the one that has created everything. So now we should be going to him for the rules and regulations. We should be going to him with the good and the bad of life. We should be going to him with how I should be living my life. I don't know if you guys have ever played Monopoly, but every time you play Monopoly, there's at least one problem, right? There's one problem, one butting of heads, this ain't real, this ain't legit. How did I get $500, right? How are these things happening? So hopefully what you turn to is the rule book. You go to the authority and you say, this is what it's saying. So this is right. This is true. This is wrong. This is messed up. And that's what we should be doing in our lives. We should be going to the Lord and to his rule book whenever we're faced with a decision. Whenever we're faced with a situation, whenever we're trying to realize, man, how should I be living my life? We should be going back to the rule book, saying this doesn't make sense. Is this legit? Is this not legit? Where should I be living? And now going back to Genesis chapter 1, again, the Lord, He creates heaven and earth just by a mere thought in a sense. That He just created it. He just decided to do it. He created the heavens and the earth. And now this earth that He creates at first is formless and void. There's darkness over it. And the Spirit of God begins to move over the surface of the waters. And again, how powerful is our God? And I hope that you're there. That you realize how powerful, how strong, how mighty our God is. And that's the same God from yesterday, today, and forever. And he's more than willing to fight on our behalf. And the amazing thing about God is he doesn't just create things and just say, okay, don't mess it up, don't screw it up, go about your way. But he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to have a friendship with us. He wants to speak with us and hang out with us, right? It's not just the boss that has their corner office that rules over our job or our lives, but they never want to talk with us or hang out with us. No, the contrary. God, He wants to rule and reign in our lives, giving us the very best that He has for us. But so often when He says, hey, let's talk tomorrow morning, we ignore Him. Or tell Him, yeah, yeah, I'll be there, but then everything and anything comes in between us and Him, and we don't make Him a priority. But again, to imagine, to think, to wonder how powerful our God is, that He created the heavens and the earth, the entire universe, out of nothing. That's what that word create in verse 1. It's to create out of nothing. It's not putting things together. It's to just imagine and boom, it's there, right? Imagine how much we would save on grocery trips and Home Depot trips if we were able to create by just our mind. They're speaking into existence. How many times do we have to go to the grocery store for a meal? Have you ever done a project at the house? There's at least three trips to Home Depot, right? The wrong screws, the wrong size, too big, too small. That's the way life is, but God, He's here creating things by just speaking them into existence. Isaiah 40, verse 12, it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? And who has marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure? And weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Isaiah 48, 13, it says, Surely my hand founded the earth. And my right hand spread out the heavens. And when I call to them, they stand together. Again, this powerful, immortal being wants to be our friend. Wants to be our friend, wants to be our father. But are we willing to do that? Are we willing to say, hey God, 
You're the boss. You're the authority. And whatever you say goes. You say I should be living like this as a single person or like this as a husband, like this as a wife, like this as a kid, like this as a parent. Lord, whatever your will says, I'm going to do it. And that's where we should be because he's proven himself. He's created everything in existence. And then on top of that, he dies to save us, right? Is he not done enough to warrant us saying, Lord, you are the authority. Whatever you say goes. But we go back to Genesis chapter 1. And now we'll continue a little bit quicker here. In verse 2, it says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So here he's created the heavens and the earth, and at first it's dark, it's formless, it's void, but then the Spirit of God begins to move, and something amazing happens. And hopefully if you're a believer here, you're able to look at your own life and say, True that, right? That that's the truth. That before I came to the Lord, my life was dark. It was voidless. It had nothing. But then once I allowed the Spirit of God to move in my life, truly life began. And now I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. I'm a new person. And it's not based on my good or my merit, but it's all the Spirit of God moving in me. And the word there for the Spirit of God moving over the surface of the waters, it's the same as a mother bird sitting in her nest, laying on her eggs, letting them getting ready to hatch, or a mother moving her wings, flapping her wings, getting her little chicks getting ready to fly as well. And it's the same thing with us, guys. We need a move of God's Spirit in our lives. Hopefully you don't think you got this all on your own, right? Mom, Dad, I hope you don't think you got this all figured out but that we're continually going to the Spirit saying, Lord, if you don't move here, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, if you don't change this life, Lord, if you don't do a work in my husband, Lord, if you don't do a work in my kids, Lord, I'm done. Hopefully we are there lowering our pride and saying, God, you need to move. Lord, you need to breathe and do something amazing here. Verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. The beautiful thing to look at here is, at the end of each day, the Lord knew what he was doing, and he says, evening and morning one day. And a lot of people, we've begun to make excuses for God within creation. We begin to say one day doesn't really mean one day. It means one age. Or hey, he says in another portion of scripture, one day is like a thousand years. Maybe it's a thousand years in between. At times we've given a gap theory. At times we say God used evolution. And we make excuses for God in creation. But the problem is, is if we make excuses for God in creation, how do we handle the virgin birth? Right? If this isn't true, if this isn't fully legit, what about the virgin birth? Because if Jesus isn't born of a virgin, he's not God. And if he's not God, we're all going to hell because nobody died for our sins who's God. So there's a big problem there, right? How do we handle Jesus walking on water? What excuses do we make there? He's got water skis. He just popped them up afterwards, right? How do we get him turning the water into wine? How do we get all these miracles that have taken place? What excuses can we make for that? And that's the problem is that we've made excuses for the book of Genesis. And now we're telling 
our own family, we're telling our own kids, hey, this half is like sort of legit, and then this other half, you got to add some stuff. This other half, salvation, yeah, it's completely legit. But we need, we can't be picking and choosing what's right and true in God's word. And that's why it's important. If this is history, then this is history. If this is poetry, this is poetry. If this is prophecy, this is prophecy. And taking God's word as what it is, and then applying it to our lives. Praying, reading, seeking the true interpretation so that we can apply it to our lives. But here, God, He says, let there be light. But it's interesting that the sun, the moon, the stars, they're not created till day four. But in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, it says, And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of the lamp or of the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. And I don't know if that's what the Lord did here. I don't know if He made Himself light or Jesus Christ light or if He just made light on earth. But that is what is happening here in verses 3 through 5. And I think most of us, we've been in certain places where you can truly feel the darkness taking place in a location, right? I don't know if you've ever been into a home or into a certain nation, a certain neighborhood, and you can, in a sense, feel the darkness or feel the light that's going on. And in Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So I don't know if that's what's going on here. At a certain time within creation, we know that Satan, Lucifer, falls from heaven because he's wanting in his pride to be like God. But we don't know if that's now in day one. We don't know if that's later on when he doesn't say that it was good. That's somewhere in here. God's word doesn't tell us exactly when. So that's up to you and what you decide. But we know that this was one day, one morning, one evening, one day. And that's how powerful our God truly is. Verse 6, it says, Then God said, Let there be a firmament, or an expanse, in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. So here in the second day, God, what He's creating is the atmosphere. He's creating the sky above us that has multiple layers up into space. And that word firmament, it's speaking about the ark in the sky. Again, the Lord here, he's talking about the earth is round. There's an ark in the sky. It's not flat. It's not a rectangle. It's not a line. There's an arch in the sky. The other word to look at here is the word expanse, which means a wide space or a big stretch of something. So now as you look up, hopefully you realize, man, the world it is round. But what's happening here is that the Lord, He's creating the layers of the stratosphere and of all the spheres. we got to ask the kids in middle school to tell us what all the spheres are. But that's what the Lord is creating. And what He also inserts here, separating the waters, is a layer of water around the planet. Now we don't have this here. Why? Because during Noah, during the flood, the only way you can flood the entire earth is by what? If he pops that bubble of water, you have tons of water coming down. Whenever we get there, we'll read how the earth opens up and water comes from underneath as well. And that's how you have, man, the very top of Mount Everest covered with water. That's how you have fossils on the top of mountain peaks and different things like that. But again, this bubble of water around the earth, it would provide a tremendous benefit to our planet. It would be perfect, which is what God creates. It would create a greenhouse effect, keeping the earth at a uniformly pleasant temperature. 
the whole earth would have the same temperature. It would be lush and tropical. It wouldn't be fed by rain, but by the mist and the heavy dew or heavy fog. Again, when Noah says, hey, it's going to rain, everybody's saying, what's that? You know, A, what's that? And B, you're crazy, man. What are you talking about? Water's going to fall from the sky. But that's what ends up happening with that. So for us to think about, it's basically Hawaii. That's basically what it was like, is it was like Hawaii. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there once. I hope to one day go again. There's just a mist every morning. There's a light sprinkle, and that's why there's so many rainbows in Hawaii. And it's beautiful, it's lush, it's tropical, and that's what the world once was like. It has this perfect mist, and everything was beautiful. Everything was awesome. This would also protect the earth and the planet from the UV radiation and from the cosmic rays we get from the sun. So no more sunspots. Way less wrinkles, no more skin cancer. It'd protect us from all these sorts of problems. It would drastically improve the length of human life, which is why in the beginning in Genesis, you got people living 200 years, 500 years, 600 years, 900 years. And if you have a perfect planet or a semi-perfect planet, you're able to live a lot longer. Now we continue going. Next verse, next day, verse 9. It says, Then God said, Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. So again, we know from verse 2, if you remember, hopefully it's not that long ago, verse 2, it told us that the earth is formless, it's void, and there's just water, surface covering the whole deep that we need the Spirit of God to move before life can really begin and happen. And this is another problem for the people that say, hey, there's a thousand years between each day. Because how would all these plants and trees survive a thousand years with zero sunlight? But what God's doing here is He's separating the land and the sea, naming the dry land, earth, and the gathering of the waters, seas. So in one day, He sprouts everything into adulthood, basically. It's not a bunch of baby mango trees, a bunch of little grass sprouts, bunch of little no everything is just right into adulthood so next time someone asks you yes the chicken came before the egg you can let them know and again the power of our god it doesn't say that he whipped out his shovel and his pitchfork it doesn't say he's on the ground planning all these things he doesn't have a john deere he has nothing he's just willing it all into existence he thinks it he says it and it happens it's also important to know that these instant populations of life, it's supported by our fossil record. That it's not like there's one plant at this layer, and now there's two plants, and now there's three plants, and now there's four plants. No, all of life, it just was created onto the scene. It wasn't slowly evolving into something. Day four, verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. 
And he made the stars also, and God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, and to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. And again, what an incredible God of detail we serve and is creating all these things. Not only does he create so many different types of plants and vegetations, but now he also gives us a way to tell the seasons, a way to tell time, a way to tell years. And this is a God of detail. And again, family, the more detail that goes into something, the more that a creator, an artist, someone behind it has to be there, right? When you go to McDonald's, it takes a certain level of artist, right? When you order a burger there. But now when you order a $20 burger or a $50 burger, the artist really needs to step up his game, right? What if you go to a restaurant, you order a $30 burger and you unwrap the Mickey D's, you're saying, whoa, what's going on here, right? Something's not right here. And the more detail in our planet, the more the question is begged, who's the creator? Who's the one behind this? And even scientists today, now they're beginning to say, yes, there was a creator, there is a greater life form above us and aliens, right? Now they blame aliens is how we got here and did all these things. And it's important to know it's not Christianity's one religion and evolution is just science, but it's really two religions, right? How the Lord tells us that you are either for me or you're against me. So this earth and all the flesh, all the hatred, all the problems going on, so much of it is trying to figure out a way that we can take God out of the equation. Why do we want to take God out of the equation? Because then I'm the boss. Because then I'm the boss. And then what I say goes. And what's right, that I think is right, is right. And what I think is wrong, is wrong. And we don't have a higher power that is full love, complete love, governing what we're doing and what we're not doing. But it's important to note Psalm 147, verse 4 and 5, talking about the power of God. He counts the number of stars and he gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Isaiah 40 verse 26, it tells us, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Again, how powerful is our God? I think most of us, we'd struggle naming every single person in this room, right? If I give you a week to study every person in this room, would you be able to name every person in this room? But now imagine being able to name every single star, every galaxy, every universe, every constellation, and this is the power of God. This is the power of the God that we serve, the God that wants to have a friendship and relationship with each and every one of us. David Guzik, he says, When you take into account all that it is necessary to sustain life as we know it, there's only a few planets able to support life. Now when you take into account factors such as our galaxy type, our star location, hopefully you know our star, it's the sun. So now when you take into account the location of the sun, how old the sun is, how big the sun is, the color of the sun, again, the distance between us and the sun, when you take into account the axis tilt, right? Our earth, it's a little crooked, everything's a little crooked, but our earth is a little crooked. When you take into account how long it takes for the earth to rotate the surface gravity, not too much, not too little. When you take into account the tidal force, the magnetic field, oxygen quality in the atmosphere, the atmospheric pressure, 
and 20 other important factors to create life, the probability for all of these 33 things happening in any one planet is 1 and every 10 to the 42nd power. And now if you don't understand that like me, what that means is if you get a 1 and you add 42 zeros after it, only one time out of those 42 zeros and that one in front of it, can that actually happen? And maybe that doesn't seem a lot to you, but every time you add a zero to a bill, right, it gets a lot bigger. Imagine adding 42 zeros to the end of that bill. So for us, that's what it would take, one in every 10 to the 42nd powers for all of these 33 things to happen in life, for life to even be and exist. And now the total number of possible planets in our universe, it's one in every 10 to the 22nd power. So only one planet in every 10 to the 22nd power has even the ability to sustain life. So again, the incredible detail of the God that we serve. And we can't excuse it away. We can't say it was by chance, it was a mistake, it was a ooze, it was an explosion, it was a this or a that. It's only a creator. Only a creator can create something so intricate and something so amazing. Verse 20, it says, Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. Now we get to my son's favorite days. Uh, it says, Let the earth teem with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. And now God created, again, that's that word bara, creating out of nothing the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, fifth day. And so now he's creating everything that flies. Some ladies don't like that so much. Um, he creates everything that flies. And then now he's creating all the fish, all the animals in the ocean. Next in verse 24, this is day 6. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Again, family, the Lord, He creates each plant and He creates each animal after their kind. And it's important that the Lord notes that, that He tells Moses, hey, write this down, this is important. That, yes, there are small and even tiny adaptations in life, in life in general. If you move a dog from one place to another, it's going to slowly adapt certain things, right? Some of us, we were born in New York, and your blood, your temperature adapted to the cold, and then you came to Miami... And now it gets cold and you need scarves, you need gloves, you need boots, you need everything. That adaptation is completely gone. And there are small adaptations within each and every living creature. But no matter how many adaptations happen, it's still within a kind. And one kind, no matter how many adaptations happen, will never become another kind. No matter where you move a cat, no matter where you put them, no matter what you feed them, that cat is never going to become a dog, right? It's never going to happen. So we attach a lot of time to it because nobody's able to look around and stand around for a million or a billion years to verify, did the cat become a dog or not? So it's important to note that, that the Lord, He's a Lord of detail. He's a God of detail. And He wrote all of this in for specific reasons. Let's read through verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Again, the Trinity, all three gods there, all three gods in one, according to our likeness. 
And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created, again that word bara, out of nothing, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on earth. And then God said, Behold, I have given to you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which have life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw that all he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And again, this is the incredible God we serve, and this is who you have to decide, is he the authority or not? Because if he's the authority, he created life to be very specific. And he gave each person, each animal, each plant a very specific role. And no one person is better than any other person, but... He gave us specific roles. And the man, he's always going to play a man better than a woman. And a woman, she's always going to play the woman always better than the man. And that's not that one is better than the other, but it's just different roles. Different roles that we all need, that we desperately need, that our kids and our families desperately need us to play our roles at the best of our abilities. Because they need to see each side in the way God intended it to be. And this is always difficult to teach on, especially with our school system and with our colleges, with what higher education says is true and this book that they call us uh, barbarians for following. But it's important to know that it's not one religion versus science. It's another ideology. It's another ideology. It's another religion and um, just anything but God basically is what it is. And I'll close with this quote. Evolutionists are not interested in testing if their theory is true. They simply believe once you ignore the creating hand of God, it's the only explanation available. So their job is to figure out how it works and not if it's true. And family, hopefully you're here and you're able to say, Lord, you're the boss. You're the authority. Whatever you say goes, whatever your word says, it will go. And for us to be real and honest, that if we call ourselves a believer, I hope he's not just the authority when it comes to salvation, but he's the authority when it comes to righteousness when it comes to our purity, when it comes to how we treat others, how we love others. Hopefully you don't two-time God like that, right? That we tell our parents, hey, I love you just when you give me money or just when you take me on vacation. But besides that, I want nothing to do with you. So hopefully the Lord, He's the authority, not just in salvation, me not spending eternity in hell, but He's the authority in how I come to church. He's the authority in what comes out of my mouth. He's the authority when I'm watching TV. He's the authority when I'm treating my family and my wife, my kids, my employees, my employers. He's the authority in every aspect of my life. So hopefully God is the boss in your life.